Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. Welcome back to the podcast, and thanks as always for being here. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot of different stuff going on out there in the uh, investing world. We've got uh, CPI news coming out. We've got uh, some different uh, news out of Google, Porsche, uh, Microsoft with the Activision deal. We've also got some uh, some news out of Tesla and some things that they are looking to do uh, to combat what's kind of going on in the market worldwide. But uh, yeah, so we've got a lot of different stuff to cover today. So thank you as always for being here. And uh, with that being said, let's uh, dive right into the CPI. Now, these numbers came out for December and uh, they come came out Thursday, which ultimately uh, had the market really rally uh, pre-market. We try, tried to move forward and ultimately uh, kind of traded sideways there for a little bit. I think we did close Thursday up, but uh, we also had a little bit of a positive day there on Friday. So decent little week for us this past week. And um, yeah, the CPI, what, what happened there? We had uh, the numbers actually come in one-tenth of a percent lower than expected. So that uh, definitely helped ease some concerns uh, as the uh, overall market um, really kind of took everything into consideration and ultimately made the decision that that was a good sign, at least for Thursday. So uh, excluding food and energy, the core CPI rose uh, 0.3%, also in line with estimates. And on an annual basis, the headline CPI rose six and a half percent, and core was five point seven percent. So, uh, what was actually bringing these numbers up? One of the big things uh, for this read was the food pricing. And I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen that. We've all gone out and gone to the grocery store, or had to, uh, you know, order your food, whatever. And uh, those prices were definitely painful. So we had the. Uh, food at home went up 11.8%, which was a massive driver of uh, some of these uh, inflation numbers. Also, the uh, food away from home was 8.3%. So I believe the average was 10.4% on that food basis. So that was a, a big driver. Now, it did come down a little bit in the fact that uh, gasoline prices were dropping. So that was definitely nice. I know here in the, the mid-Atlantic, the uh, temperatures have been very mild. So the, the heating concerns aren't as heavy right here. Uh, further north, I know they're still getting some snow, but we have had very, very mild winter, uh, which is not great for snow removal. And uh, that is definitely hurting my personal economy. But uh, that being said, uh, the S&P did move higher this past week. And a, a lot of those big tech names did move up as well. So we're definitely taking a lot of that into consideration as to what to do and where to go. And, uh, you know, I've been a while, but we've looked at uh, golden crosses and death crosses, and we still see that the 50-day uh, the 50 50 simple moving average is still trending below the 200-day. We have not gotten out of that trend, but uh, the gap is closing. So the 50-day is probably sitting right around. 3,900 in the 200-day sitting around 4,000. But there was more of a divergence, uh, you know, in months past. In the past six months, it's been much of a wider spread. So those numbers are closing together. If we do get that 50-day moving average moving above that 200-day moving average, 
that would be a golden cross. That is generally a sign that things are going to kind of retrace and move up higher and uh, there's more momentum on the in the near term versus the long term. So we're, we're waiting to see if that's actually going to happen. But then uh, the St. Louis Fed comes out and says something completely different. Uh, so what did the St. Louis Fed come out and say? They said that uh, this is right from the stlouisfed.org. Uh, they are discussing a unique way to potentially identify turning points in the national economy. Uh, from expansion to recession using state coincident indexes or SCIs. And it says that uh, goes on to say their analysis showed that on average, when 26 states had reported negative SCI growth in a particular month, this was viewed as being highly correlated with the start of a national recession. So they did go ahead and say that it looks like we're going to enter a recession. Um, what it said on the blog post of uh, December 28, 22. The data show that 27 states had negative SCI growth in October and then revised to now show that only 22 states had negative SCI growth in October. But uh, another report said that, you know, things were looking bleak and that 26 number was going to be passed here soon. So I'm definitely uh, cautiously optimistic about the current situation and really what's to come. Uh, are we going to get this soft landing? I don't know that it's going to be as soft as everyone kind of made it out to seem. Uh, just kind of like we heard transitory and uh, that really wasn't the right word to use at that time either. So I am looking at what's happening. I see that the market is rallying on some of the different news that's out there. Uh, I still think that a lot of stocks were oversold, but uh, there is some opportunity, but I am not trying to go all in at any point right now on any of these names. I want to slowly buy in and really kind of wait and see what some of these earnings calls are looking like. Really try to time my uh, or spread out my buys to really, you know, average in on a down market. So that's what I'm looking to do right here. But uh, before I get into what I'm doing uh, this week, let's go ahead and say uh, with Microsoft, right? We talked about the fact that they are looking to buy about $10 billion worth of OpenAI, which is the company that runs ChatGPT. Chat GPT, I keep hearing more and more about it. I uh, was talking with a pharmacist that I know. He was saying that, uh, you know, he went on there and said, hey, I need a, uh, a pharmaceutical paper written about these three topics. And he said, you know, what it basically spit back out to him was a B plus paper uh, based on his knowledge of pharmaceuticals. And I just, man, it's, it's just insane what it can do. The fact that, you know, you could say, hey, write a program for me or an application for me. And it'll basically tell you the steps to take in order to do that. And once you do those steps, you can basically create your own application uh, off of just the things that it's telling you to do. If you say, hey, write me a poem with this, it will spit out a poem that is pretty much exactly what you're looking for. It's just remarkable that the technology is there to basically have a genius in your pocket at any point in time. It's just that next level of, uh, of AI, of technology, and it's just really remarkable to see where things are going there. So we do have that going on for Microsoft, but they are also going through uh, the process of trying to buy uh, Activision. Now, we are seeing a lot of pushback from the EU and they are likely to receive an EU antitrust warning about the $69 billion bid for the Call of Duty maker Activision Blizzard. 
Uh, so we are looking to really see what happens there. There is a, uh, a deadline of April 11th from the uh, from the EU to come up with a decision on the deal. And uh, it looks like the well, Microsoft went on to say that they are continuing to work with the European Commission to address any marketplace concerns. They did reach a deal with uh, Nintendo to make Call of Duty available on Nintendo consoles. Um, and they said that a similar agreement with Sony uh, has yet to be reached, and which is very critical of this acquisition. Uh, we did receive a green light with no conditions from Brazil, Saudi Arabia, and Serbia. So they are fine with it, but we are really waiting to see what the European Commission decides to do. So I'm not sure that this one's going to happen. Uh, it still looks like there's a lot of different uh, hurdles they have to, to cross in order to get this deal done. So we'll see ultimately what happens there. Uh, Microsoft says that they basically want to be able to produce more games and get more, uh, bring more games to more people. And this deal will further that goal. Now, ultimately, that just means that it's great for their bottom line. They're trying to play nice with Sony and Nintendo. But uh, ultimately, they would have that, you know, more market share in these main uh, name games. So that's going to be a uh, a tough one to, to cross, but uh, they might get there. If they don't, they're still, you know, in, you know, in the running for that top video game maker. And ultimately, you know, the, the deal with ChatGPT could be a game changer for them as well. Currently, that platform is free. Uh, I don't think it's going to remain free forever. It's got... I think if Microsoft gets involved, they're going to have to sell this at least as a subscription or a flat fee for using it for a project or whatever they're looking to do. I, I don't think that this is going to remain free forever. Uh, so going forward, we had uh, Google and Porsche possibly looking to integrate Google's uh, tech right into the Porsche uh, operating systems and have it right on the screens in their cars. Uh, so we'll see if that deal comes to light and uh, what that really means for Porsche and self-driving and autonomous going forward. And then we also had Tesla with some big price cuts. And uh, man, there's a lot of, lot of news stirring about this one. We had the Model 3 down 6%, the Model 3 performance price drop of 14%, the Model Y 20% drop. The Model Y performance, 19% drop. Uh, all of them were lower. Uh, the Plaid models were down mid-teens. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely problematic out there for a lot of people, uh, myself included. Owning a Tesla, I kind of thought this is going to kill for resale. Then I did a little bit more thinking. You know, everyone last year was selling vehicles for more than sticker. Everyone was raising prices dramatically. If you wanted a uh, performance car, yes, you normally paid a premium, but it was even more on top of that. Uh, so when everything was in short supply, uh, Tesla was raising these prices. You know, I think they did four, five, six increases depending on the model last year alone. But um, pretty much everyone was doing that. Everyone was, uh, you know, trying to get every ounce of of profit out of every customer that came through the door. And there was a very few select dealerships that were actually selling at sticker price. But now we've seen a, a table, you know, the tables have really turned, you know, supply chain has kind of come back online. We've got uh, people with less disposable income, that savings rate has come down. The uh, prices on used cars uh, has been a big driver in slowing inflation, 
We've also got Carvana that was overpaying for cars, looking like they're going to go bankrupt. We've got a lot of different things here. And uh, when you really dive into the numbers, Tesla's profit margins are still where they were pre all these price raises in March of 21. So all the margins still look great. Uh, a lot of the things that they were buying have come down in price, so they're more readily available. Uh, and they are still looking to open more uh, plants in Indonesia. The, the Texas uh, Gigafactory in Berlin are looking to still ramp up that production. So it still looks to me like things are in track or on track rather to really move forward. And, um, you know, I guess I can't fault them for raising these prices as that demand was through the roof. The inventory was not there. No one could get anything, regardless of it was a uh, Corolla or whatever. You basically had to buy what was on the lot or pay a premium. That was really the options we had last year. So now, you know, going forward, I think this does show that they have that pricing power. They can charge a premium and sell out. Now, when things slow down, they're going to bring their prices back down to where they were. And ultimately, yes, that hurts the used car values but that it was already hurt across the board. Those prices have already been coming down. So we see more demand for these uh, vehicles at a lower price and the, the profit margins are still there to weather the storm. So again, uh, I still think that the legacy automakers are still in a decent spot. Uh, I am very concerned about the startup automakers that don't have this pricing power, that can't simply just drop their prices and take that price cut. Uh, I don't know that they have that much flexibility in their pricing. Legacy automakers are not known to drop prices of vehicles 20% uh, at the start of a new year. Generally, we're seeing 3 4 5% up every year. So really, the, the pricing power at the corporate level has come down when I don't know that anyone else can play that game. So I am still bullish on Tesla. I think the short-term noise is simply just noise. We've got a lot of different problems that are out there worldwide. As I just said, you know, 26 states with uh, uh, lower SCI numbers really shows that we might enter a recession. And if we can still continue to ramp up production at that 40 or 50% that Tesla is looking to do, uh, and you know, still maintain those profit margins while still selling prices of vehicles cheaper. Uh, it might be a spot where they are going to push other people out of the market. Uh, maybe not the legacy automakers, but certainly some of the startup companies. So you're going to limit the competition by having that price advantage. And I still think that is a bene uh, beneficial place for them to be. Um, really, still bullish position for me, and I, I really think that the the struggle that they had through the inflation and pandemic uh, showed that they could do uh, well in an inflation environment. Now, lowering the prices and keeping that margin high during a recession is ultimately something that is really going to pressure out a lot of that competition. So uh, with that being said, I'm, I'm still uh, looking to invest while these prices are low. I think this is not going to last and uh, in three to five years, regardless if we're buying Google, Amazon, uh, Meta, uh, any of these big names that are on a discount, I don't really think that that is going to be something we are going to regret. I think long term, uh, there are some prices now that we aren't going to see again for uh, years to come. I think uh, 
a lot of the growth rates, a lot of the PEs, a lot of the position where a lot of these companies are is really in just uncharted waters. And in my mind, it is definitely a position to buy some of these great companies at a discount. So uh, as I said, I'm not going all in on any of them. I'm not in that spot. I don't want to uh, go and bet it all on any one, but I will slowly average in to my high conviction names and really be mindful of the fact that there are uh, high probabilities of entering a recession. Growth companies could uh, simply just go bankrupt. We might see that happen. We might see them get bought out, which would be best case situation for a lot of these names that are going to struggle through a recession. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm going to take a quick break and uh, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the investing challenge. We're going to see what names are actually going to survive going forward and really kind of come up with a plan as to what to do for the remainder of the year. So stick around. I will be right back and we will cover all that next. All right. Welcome back to the podcast here. And I did forget to say something. I uh, kind of got off on a tangent on what the market's looking like and what Tesla's doing. But uh, FTX, right? We got uh, the lawyers of FTX saying that they did recover about $5 billion of uh, crypto assets. Now, it's looking like that might not be completely true. It might be uh, a less of a value it might have been $5 billion in book value, but actually it's trading less, so that number might be lower. But uh, with that being said, uh, crypto had a massive spike on Friday evening. Uh, so when I'm looking at uh, the one-week chart on Bitcoin, it's up 21, well, 20.9% 20 this week. Massive spike. Uh, I definitely felt it in my portfolio. I looked, I, I saw someone mention it in another uh, uh, post. And I had to check it out to see ultimately what was going on out there. And uh, I was definitely pleased to see this massive run up in Bitcoin. Uh, also, Ethereum up 15.97% in a week as well. And uh, that definitely helped my, uh, my portfolio here. So I did want to share that. Uh, I really don't see anything else that's saying um, any other major reasons as to why crypto spikes so much. But uh, personally, I think a lot of that negative noise is off the table uh, with figuring out what's going on with FTX, with getting some of that money back. And I feel like some people thought this has got to be the bottom. Um, now, that being said, I expect a lot of volatility with that massive spike. I don't know that it's just going to keep running up. I think a lot of people are really looking to reevaluate the position in crypto. And is this a crypto winner? Is it going to be a long-term problem? And I don't really have that answer for you. Uh, like I've said, when it was low, I was going to continue to buy. And as I do have money, I will continue to add to my main two crypto uh, currencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum. Uh, the other ones are a lot more speculative in my mind. All of crypto is speculative. I did want to leave that out there. And I had someone in the group go ahead and ask me last year which ones to buy. And I did go ahead and tell them, hey, look, this is what I'm doing. It is highly speculative. I am not advocating for you to get in it without knowing the risks. And this specific person went ahead and bought uh, some different coins. Ultimately, it was at the peak. I said, go ahead and average in, average in. That is certainly the way that I would like to see this happen for most people, average into a position. Uh, that means if you have $1,000 to spend on crypto, uh, maybe $250 every month, every quarter, 
and really just kind of kind of ease your way into it, knowing that it is a volatile asset class, if you even consider it an asset class. I know some people don't. Uh, I do, but there's a lot of different uh, you know stipulations to that rule. So that being said, uh, they ultimately went ahead and sold at the low opposite of what I would have said to do. As I just mentioned, I would a dollar cost average in from last year into this year and really build a position for a long-term growth plan. It was not a, you know, a lot of people saw it as a get rich quick scheme. They wanted to get all their money in and ultimately, you know, get a three, four, 10 X play and cash out. That did not happen. I would never tell you to go ahead and go all in on anything. That is not the way I want to build long-term wealth. And uh, now they're saying, hey, you know, what can I do to build real long-term wealth? And I've said this before, I'm not a financial advisor, but what I would recommend doing for your first $10,000 is going ahead, investing in an S&P 500 index fund. A lot, of, a lot of money managers would tell you to do the same thing. You are getting diversity. You are getting the best 500 company, well, arguably the best 500 companies in the market. And if they do not fit that criteria anymore, they are out of the S&P 500. So generally, you're getting high quality companies. Uh, you're getting a mixture of a lot of different companies as well. And uh, I guess I'll go ahead and pull up what a chart looks like of, uh, say, VOO or SPY are two different ETFs that you can get into. Very low fees. You're going to get a little bit of a dividend on them. And you're going to get that diversity right off the bat. Now, you can simply just continue to add to these positions for the rest of time or until you're ready to retire and have that, you know, S&P average growth of around 10%. Now, last year, it didn't work for us, right? It was down uh, 19%. Our investing challenge was down 14%. But I do expect both of these to recover. And you can't have a 30% year in 2020 and 21 and then not expect it to eventually slow down. So, uh, what does a VOO fund really consist of? Uh, most of it, most of it is a 99% North America exposure. You're getting 48% giant companies, 35% large cap, 16% medium, and only about a 10th of a percent in small cap companies. So when you're buying the S and P 500, uh, the top 10 names, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, Alphabet Class C, which is still Google, uh, Tesla, United Health, Johnson and Johnson, Exxon Mobil. So you're getting a mixture. There is a lot of tech in the top names, but uh, you do get some healthcare. You do get uh, Berkshire Hathaway, which is also invested in uh, a bunch of different companies in oil, gas, and banks, and in, in different food companies, Coca Cola. Uh, but yeah, Johnson and Johnson, United Health are obviously healthcare companies or Johnson and Johnson's more of a conglomerate pharmaceutical and then uh, Exxon being oil and gas. So you're getting a mixture, you're getting that diversity, you're getting the average of the returns being about 10% annually over uh, over time. So I would never tell you to to go all in on anything, slowly ease your way in whether you're buying uh you know $200 a month, $1000 a month, whatever you can really afford to invest really pay yourself first, invest in yourself first, and use the other money to play later. So make sure that uh, you're building a plan, you're sticking to it, and that'll really set you up for a good position down the road. Uh, so 
in a in another group, oddly, oddly enough, I saw someone say that, you know, it's just impossible for uh, millennials, Gen Z to really go ahead and save this money in their 20s. It's impossible to save in your 20s when you've got cost of living so high. Uh, I went and said, you know, it's a little I, I disagreed. Right. I think a lot of people think that they have to have uh, a car payment. They have to live this way. They have to go out. They have to have a, a Starbucks latte and go out to lunch with their coworkers. And if you really go ahead and invest in yourself first, before you even get that uh, that paycheck, just know that, you know, 10 percent is going into your retirement account or whatever you can afford to invest, whatever fits your plan for how you want to live in retirement. If you need $3 million in retirement, you better have a plan to get there. Uh, so I definitely think that starting earlier is a, a solid plan. Earlier, the better. You're obviously going to have more money, more compounding interest. And, uh, you know, the later you start, the more you have to invest. I was, you know, luckily enough able to invest in my 20s, albeit my later 20s. A lot of my money went into starting a company in my early 20s. And that was kind of my mindset was get all the equipment I need for my company so I can make more money there. So I invested in myself that way. And then ultimately, I kind of switched gears. And I really said, you know, I really want to nail down this uh, investment thing to have my money working for me uh, as much as some of my equipment is. So now, uh, that being said, I just want everyone to know that there is a way to do it. You can auto invest into an S and P 500 fund. You can, uh, set it for direct deposit or whatever makes it easier for you to know that you don't have all this money to go and blow it on the weekend. There is a path to get there. You just got to really sit down and develop that path. So that being said, Crypto might not be the way for you. It is a percentage of my portfolio. I am never going to sit and tell you that uh, you know any high growth, largely speculative stock is the way to go, and crypto qualifies as that to me. So uh, you know that being said, Bitcoin is better in my mind than a lot of these small startup companies, and I think that will be around as more and more companies adopt it, accept it. You have countries that are looking to accept it. So there's a lot of different caveats to all those different rules. And I don't know that anyone is right for anyone or any one plan is right for everyone rather. So really take a look at your goals and where you want to be. And uh, if you have some speculative money, some, uh, you know, that mad money Jim Cramer talks about, you can certainly see uh, a, a spot to put some of those uh, more speculative bets in play. But uh, that being said, we uh we do have the investing challenge here. We are keeping it going for 2023 and I would really like to see you guys vote on what is going on out there. I am really trying to figure out what's going on with the uh, the Facebook group Let It Grow Investing and the polls on there. It looks like it is only a 48-hour window where you can actually vote right now. I'm going to try to change that this week. But uh, for week three, it looked pretty uh, troublesome to get that to happen. So uh, if you didn't get a chance to vote, please try to go ahead and vote sooner than later, uh, as I'm not sure what the voting window is looking like right now. But uh, let's look at Weeble and see how we are doing in this uh, portfolio. And I believe we were around 10% down last week. We were cutting some of these losses, and now we are at minus 7.1%. So we are trending up. Uh, things are looking a lot better than they were. Uh, you know, end of the year, we were down about 15% roughly. And we've about cut that in half, you know, about uh, what, 
16 days into the year. So uh, crypto is definitely uh, coming back up, which is certainly helping this portfolio. Uh, we do have some crypto in there as well from last year. But uh, for week three, we were voting on five different names. We might be doing five different names every week. That's what we did in 22, but uh, we might kind of change that up uh, depending on what I'm seeing in the market at any given point in time throughout the year. So uh, the five names for week three were NVIDIA, Enphase, Google, uh, Medical Properties Trust or MPW, and United Health. And surprisingly enough, it looks like we are going to be buying Medical Properties Trust. MPW is the ticker. I will be adding $200 of my own money into this portfolio based on the results of what you guys are voting for. And it was, yeah, it was over uh, overwhelmingly MPW. I think people want more of that dividend right now. That's what we are looking like. And uh, when we are investing in MPW, let me take a look here at what that current dividend is and that current price. I will be buying that one on Tuesday, uh, right around lunchtime. I'll try to let some of that volatility wear itself out and go ahead and buy midday. So we're getting about 8.9% of a dividend on MPW. Uh, they do own the land that a lot of these different medical facilities are on. Uh, and we're also getting about 26% of upside, uh, according to eight different analysts, uh, for the next 12 month price target. So I'm definitely, uh, I really like this company. It is one that really is recession proof in my mind. We've already had this price come down based on the real estate value, but the businesses are still doing great. So I think that uh, having that upside in the price target and also that dividend is really going to help weather any storm going forward. And uh, having a, a high dividend, if you want to invest in these high dividend companies, it is definitely better in my mind. Ask your financial planner, your accountant. Uh, to have them in a tax sheltered account. So if you had this in a 401k or an IRA, you are not going to get taxed based on or, uh, the dividend tax rate, which I believe is 15% on long-term gains. But um, you would have a lower or you wouldn't be taxed on them. So definitely make a um, note of that. If you're looking to buy REITs or any kind of high dividend play, that it is definitely better to have those in a tax sheltered account, at least in my opinion. So uh, MPW week three winner. Week one, we did buy VOO. That is that S&P 500 ETF. Week two, I bought QQQ, which is pretty much a, uh, a NASDAQ ETF, higher growth tech companies in QQQ. And now for week four, we've got, uh, we've got, five names for this week. And uh, I think a couple of them I kind of led on to last week. I know the first one is a semiconductor company that we are going to be voting on. And that one is AMD. Now, AMD definitely traded down with some of the problems that were out there in the market in the semiconductor space. We had that massive run in 21 and early 22 based on the fact that uh, chips were in such short uh, supply and the demand was through the roof as everyone wanted to buy all these vehicles, causing all the prices of everything to go up. And now we are definitely seeing those prices come down. So we saw uh, AMD definitely come down in that stock price, but uh, I still think that it is a great company to own long-term. When we're looking at a one-year uh, chart, Last January, uh, on the 14th, we were at 137. Currently, we are trading at 71. We did come up off that low price of 54.57. 
Uh, so we do have some positive movement coming back higher. When we're looking at price targets, we have a price target of about 26.8% according to this estimate from uh, Trefis, which is T-R-E-F-I-S. I'm probably saying that wrong, but that is what is on E-Trade as their primary uh, price target. When I'm looking over at Reuters, we've got uh, about 28% of upside on this name. And where are we? As far as annual revenue. Predictions of uh, forecasted growth of 51% in 2023. So definitely some nice revenue growth going forward. We had a 53% of revenue growth for the year over year ending in September of 22 with net margins of about 10%. Now on the uh, some of the technicals here, we've got uh, price to sales, 33% discount to the five-year average. Trailing PE, a 39% discount to the five-year average, and forward PE, a 40% discount to the five-year average, which is definitely nice to know that we are getting it cheaper than where it historically trades. A forward peg ratio of 1.7 versus the S&P 500 index average of a 2.1. So I do think uh, you, we're definitely getting that revenue growth for the year. We are trading under the historic values, and... Uh, we're even trading under the S&P for a company with a lot of uh, growth with decent margins. And uh, one that I think was really oversold based on some different uh, concerns that were really out of their control in the fact that we really bought every amount of uh, semiconductor chips that was out there in 21 and 22. And now demand has definitely slowed. So it might be a rougher year for them. It might trade sideways. Uh, like I said, analysts do see some upside potential, but, uh, in the short term, I think we have a longer window to buy some of these names until we really get that, that ramp up in production and come back uh, to kind of that historic average. Now, number two, uh, I had another one selected for number two, but I did change it. Uh, that does happen. So number two for this week is going to be Tesla and, I think I covered a little bit as to why. I think we are definitely seeing that production numbers remain high. We are seeing uh, an oversold condition in a lot of uh, that short term shirt. I can't talk short term noise based on uh, problems with Elon, problems with pricing, possible recession fears, and uh, a lot of different uh, overall market concerns that are out there. But I do think that they are going to control that market share with their pricing power and ultimately the way that they can maneuver and still remain in a higher margin territory. So when I'm looking at uh, price targets here, there are about 70% uh, of upside potential based on 37 analysts going forward. Uh, we are looking at annual revenue growth growing 102% in 23 we are looking at uh, revenue growth uh, for the quarter ending in September of 60% and net margins of 14.9%. So better margins than AMD and uh, currently trading 47% cheaper on a price to sales basis, 60% cheaper on a uh, trailing PE versus the five-year average and a 70% cheaper on the forward PE. So definitely trading at a discount. There are some concerns. I've laid those out. I do think that long term, this is going to be uh, that spot where we really wish we would have buy, uh, bought more. So 
Uh, I know I'll be buying more. I would like to open it up to the group to see if we should add more in the investing challenge for 23 as well. And that forward peg ratio is a 0.7 on Tesla. Uh, that five-year average is a 1.7. And again, the S&P 500 index average is a 2.1. So it's trading very cheap on that growth uh, indicator right there as well. And one that I think, as I said, it's too cheap to ignore at this price point. And uh, there's a lot of people that uh, might not agree with that one. So the next one that I'm going to throw into the mix is Ford. And Ford, we did go ahead and buy uh, this time last year. That was one of the ones that we bought. But uh, we weren't so lucky as to where we were buying it last year. It was uh, last January on the 14th. It was at 2528. Currently, we're at 1270. So Tesla is not the only one that has been punished by some of these low, lower prices and recession fears. Ford has been cut in half as well. And uh, I think a lot of people kind of forget that when they're looking at uh, some of the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease in the way of Tesla being beat up for a lot of the different pricing out there. Uh, so Ford currently trading at a PE of 5.7. We're getting a 4.5, I'll call it, dividend. Uh, and there is a lot of price upside in this one as well. So when I'm looking over at Reuters, we've got uh, hold ratings, but um, we do have two broker upgrades in the last 120 days for a price target upside of 12.4%. Couple that with a 4.5% dividend. So we've got about 17% of upside in this name. And we are looking at how much growth for the year about 20% of forecasted growth. Compare that to Tesla's 100% uh, annual revenue growth. Uh, net margins on Ford, about 5%. Compare that to Tesla's, about 15%. Uh, definitely uh, a premium on Tesla for that. We are looking at a price to sales of a 0.4, but it is trading at a premium of 9% compared to their five-year average. So it sounds cheap, but... Uh, it is one that has or trades at a lower price to sales. 81%, excuse me, 81% discount on that trailing PE, uh, currently at a 5.8. 26% discount on the forward PE, which is at a 6.6. Uh, the forward peg ratio looks like we are negative on that number. There is no number for that on forward at this time. And again, like I said, price to sales is at a 0.4. So, Ford might have a, a little bit rougher of a path going forward, but I do think that, uh, you know, buying this one in through the weakness and coming out uh, into some positive terms or positive times, this one should do well. And um, where are we on Reuters for this one? We've got uh, price targets of 26% higher on Airbnb, forecasted growth in 23 of 56%. Net margins of 23%. So that's one of the best of the group that we've seen so far. 42% uh, discount on price to sales. Uh, currently trading at a PE of 41.8 with no five-year average to compare to there. And then on the forward PE, we are at a 37.9 on that forward PE, which is a 49% discount. So uh, price to sales is lower at a 4.7 compared to their five-year average of an 8.2. So definitely got some room for growth in that, uh, that revenue basis and uh, with demand for air travel still high. 
So number five this week is going to be uh, one we talked about in the first part here, and that name is Microsoft. Uh, so this is, I think, a pretty pretty tough pick here of these five names. But uh, Microsoft, as I said, they're looking to buy into OpenAI. They're also looking to buy Activision. So they are looking to take advantage of some weakness in the market and really put some of that cash that they have on the sidelines into play by buying more companies that are... Um, you know, really desirable to them, possibly in a, in a time of weakness in those different names. Currently, we're at a 25.7 PE. We've got a dividend of 1.14%. Uh, Trefis is saying about a 33 and a third percent uh, price estimate hike from here. And uh, when I'm looking over at Reuters, let's see if they agree. Definitely buy ratings on Microsoft. And about 23 when we're looking at the average of 46 different analysts from Reuters. So we've got uh, 7.1% 7 of forecasted growth for 23 and about 21% for 24. Uh, revenue growth of 15%. Net margins, best of the group. Definitely best of the group here from Microsoft of a 34% net margin. Uh, and we do see that on the software companies. They do have pricing power. Dividend growth, 10.4%. Dividend payout, 28%. So room to grow more on that dividend and 4.9 times dividend coverage when it comes to how much they can uh, pay these dividends. Uh, we've also got a 12% discount on price to sales, 28% discount on price uh, trailing PE, and a 14% discount on forward PE. So trading lower than it should be. Uh, they definitely are in growth mode. They're looking to take advantage where they can. And the forward peg ratio is a 1.9, uh, and that is their five-year average is a 1.9. So a lot of different things to consider here. We've got a semiconductor play that has been oversold. Tesla, in my mind, oversold. Ford, uh, they are cut in half, but uh, we are still above that price to sales target. And Airbnb, good margins there. A lot of different uh, high marks from some analysts and pricing power uh, amongst the group for having whole homes and being a little bit uh, safer to travel in a lot of people's minds right now. And uh, surging demand in air travel is still strong. Microsoft coming in with the highest net margin and also looking to grow in ways of buying open AI and um, possibly Activision Blizzard. So we'll see if that one goes through, but uh, we've got that choice to make. So get over to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. Uh, get your vote in. And like I said, this uh, these polls are closing shorter right now. I'm going to see if I can change that in the settings. I'm not sure that I can. But uh, so, yeah, go ahead and get over there and get your vote in for week four. I will be buying MPW on Tuesday uh, for the investing challenge. And that is rolling up nicely. But I do expect some volatility going forward through earnings season. And ultimately, we'll see what happens there. So uh, with that being said, thank you guys for stopping by. Please get out there and vote. Make sure you like, subscribe and share. If you're feeling extra generous, you can go ahead and uh, contribute to the podcast over there at anchor.fm slash let it grow for as little as 99 cents a month. And uh, yeah, that's all I got for you guys today. So thanks for stopping by and I will catch you in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing Podcast on Facebook.
This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.